Tokyo, Japan, this is Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And this is the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, dog rewards and turkey oil. In addition, Dr. Laura Honus Webb will join us to discuss the gift of adult ADD. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And the world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Back to the Grok Science Show. I'm Charles Lee, and I'm Frank Ling. All right. Well, how's it going, Frank? Hey, pretty good. Uh, it's in fact there is one very interesting story I have. So uh, this time it's about dogs. <laughs> All right. So what's going on with dogs? It, it turns out dogs feel envy. <laughs> what? So they're jealous of my milk bone? Yeah, much like humans. If uh, another dog is getting rewarded better, your dog may become less responsive or resentful for the other dog and it turns out it doesn't even matter what the reward is or even if the task was complete or not but the fact that there's another dog getting something makes your dog less likely to perform whatever you want it to do and the way they quantified this is by counting the number of times the dogs would finally not respond to your request once they've seen another dog get a reward whereas your dog didn't get any reward so this is just like writing grant proposals then so we're more much like dogs then, huh? See, on the internet, you don't know if you're a dog or not, right? Anyways, this was from our favorite journal. Well, this is my favorite journal in the whole world. Of course, the proceedings. Of the National. Academies. Of Sciences. PNAS. All right, well, moving from dogs onto turkeys. Awesome. A company uh, called Changing World Technologies apparently made uh, headlines in 2003 for uh, amazing technology, which turned waste from a butterball turkey processing plant into oil. Ooh, so just all organic conversion or something, huh? So what they claim is that it actually uh, mimics the uh, thermal conversion processes that go on in the earth, the natural geothermal processes that use water, heat, and pressure to transform organic and inorganic waste into oil, gases, carbons. They even claim that heavy metals are even transformed into harmless oxides, which obviously skeptics say sound too good to be true. When you burn this oil, does it smell like turkey? <laughs> well, it probably smells like turkey awful. Anyway, they, they claim that they could convert approximately 250 tons per day of, of turkey fats into approximately 20,000 gallons of renewable diesel fuel and other valuable fertilizer products. There was some question about the uh, cost of this, and now the company apparently is admitting that the process is much more expensive than originally thought, but they're apparently working to bring the cost down. <laughs> gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wouldn't you want the prestige of driving a car that runs on turkey crap? <laughs> right on. All right, and uh, this was published in the recent edition of Chemical and Engineering News. All right, and that's all for a look at recent developments in the world of science and technology. This is the Grok's Science Show you're listening to. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, Dr. Laura Honus-Webb will join us to discuss the gift of adult ADD, so stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Grox Science Show. Well, attention deficit disorder is often seen as something of an impediment, a condition which adversely affects daily functioning and living. However, rather than seeing ADD as a condition to be treated, new work in the field of clinical psychology is beginning to emphasize the positive aspects of ADD. Well, joins today on the Grox Science Show to discuss some of these issues is Dr. Laura Honus-Webb. Dr. Honus-Webb is a clinical psychologist who is the author of several scholarly articles and popular works on the subject, including her groundbreaking bestseller, The Gift of ADHD. Her new book, The Gift of Adult ADD, How to Transform Your Challenges and Build on Your Strengths, explores this issue for a general audience. Dr. Honus Webb, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, great to be here, Charles. Uh, well, certainly our pleasure, and I think this is really a very fascinating book, uh, The Gift of ADD. I'm curious, though, for a lot of people out there, they might actually be wondering, what exactly is ADD? Well, some of the technical terms are difficulty concentrating, feeling driven by a motor, impulsiveness. But basically, if your relationships are impaired because you can't listen, if your work performance is in trouble because you can't follow directions, and you always feel like you're driven by a motor, those are some of the clues that you might have ADD. And uh, are there uh, known causes for these symptoms? I do think that the evidence is convincing that there is a genetic basis to it and that that would correspond to some differences in the brain. The main point that I make is that differences are not disorders. I really do think there are differences in the brain that can account for this. And typically the way of treating this has actually been to try and medicate people. Obviously, everyone knows about Ritalin. That's right. And um, that's the main treatment approach. You know, and it absolutely works. I mean, the evidence is that, you know, these are effective medications. The problems that I have with that are that they are universal performance enhancers. In fact, we know that Ivy League schools during finals week, there's enormous pressure for people to find these meds because so many people are using them that it almost becomes a disadvantage if you can't get your hands on them. So you've sort of uh, taken a different tact in terms of actually looking at ADD and not actually seeing it as a uh, disorder to be treated, but rather as look at the positive aspects of the condition. Absolutely. And when you look at the positive aspects of it, you know, the creativity, the high levels of energy, the emotional sensitivity, it's actually a pretty good match for the demands of our global and digital culture. The coin of the realm as we move forward is going to be innovation. It's going to be inventiveness. So much of the work that focusing on details has to do with being outsourced these days. Even they say half of our income taxes are being outsourced. And so inventiveness and imagination go hand in hand. And difficulty concentrating many times is related to imagination. And spaciness is often related to creativity. You're taking the knowledge that's coming in and imagining different ways of using it, different applications of it, rather than just being able to regurgitate it back to someone else. And so is it mainly the sort of an issue of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, putting people in positions where perhaps they make use of these creative outlets? Absolutely. You know, I really think that the cure for ADD is going to be finding your sweet spot, which is where your passion meets your purpose. Because what we know about attention, and this is getting down to the nitty-gritty, what do we mean by attention? You can increase your attention by increasing your interest in something and also decreasing your stress. And one way to do that is to find something that you love to do and you're highly interested in. Mm. Then what are recommendations for first maybe recognizing that you have ADD and then what to do about it? 
Well, I think the first thing, once you realize it, is it's clear this is a difference. I'm not one of those people that says, ah, ADD, shmadd, it's, it's, it's nothing to, you know, just a little bit of uh, distractibility these days. No, I really think it is a difference. And part of that usually means that you're going to have difficulty organizing. You're going to have difficulty paying attention to details. So what I really encourage people to do as a first line is to acknowledge what you're not good at and either one expression I use is to sub it out, be realistic about it, get help with it. But then again, to find your strengths, to focus on those and build your life around your strengths rather than patching up your weaknesses. So certainly ADD, ADHD has usually been focused on with children. Uh, Adult ADD maybe less so. Is more interest now being placed into looking at how adults deal with ADD? Well, it is, there's right now, there's 4 million people out there who have this adult who are getting this diagnosis, and that's rapidly increasing. And the interesting thing is that the adult ADD is not even in our, what we call our diagnostic and statistical manual. When I was trained, it was, we call it a developmental disorder, and we were told, oh, well, people will grow out of it as adults. More and more, we are finding this is not the case. And so I think it's increasing because, one, there's this growing recognition, and, two, there is something about our lifestyle and our global, digital, fast-paced world that does create what looks a lot like ADD. And so more and more people hear these symptoms and say, oh, my gosh, of course I have that. Uh, But do they, in fact, have it, or is it something different? Um, I believe it's a misdiagnosis. I believe that as we increase the stress, as we increase the fast pace, that with all the technologies we have, I mean, think how easy it is to be distracted. You try and spend time with your family. You've got your BlackBerry. You've got your iPhone. Who can pay attention to their family? That can look like ADD, but it's really, I think, a misdiagnosis. Uh, By the same token, then, can our current lifestyle perhaps exacerbate situations for those who may be genetically predisposed to ADD? I think so, and I mean, it's even debatable that it would create, it would really change your brain functioning so that you would not be able to pay attention. There is some research that suggests that technologies can change our brains in ways that make it harder for us to pay attention and stay focused. Are there any particular challenges for adults versus children in terms of dealing with ADD? Well, I I do think that one of the differences, I think that there are positives, and and I'll come back to why it's more challenging, but the positive is that in school we do have this belief that you have to do well at everything. As an adult, you only have to find something that you're really, really good at and succeed at that, so you could sub out some of the difficult things. Some of the bigger challenges are, of course, that it's harder to be an adult. You have to make a living. In school, you have supports. You have people that are supposed to mentor you. By the time you're an adult, the assumption is, hey, you know, the learning curve's over. Get with the program. Mm. Uh, being a clinical psychologist, uh, you know, you have to probably deal with a number of these patients. How do you um, sort of see them uh, trying to cope in a world which maybe doesn't actually uh, accept the diagnosis of adult ADD? Well, I think that some of the things that people do that are helpful is they do get coaching and they do get support. It comes back to why is it harder as an adult? Because we believe that you shouldn't get support. I actually think that's a myth. I think we all need more support. So it can be as simple as getting support, getting specific techniques, and building on your strengths rather than patching up your weaknesses. You know, so many adults have grown up in that model that if it's hard for me, then I should just patch it up and push myself harder. People who go into sales because they think, well, you know, I'm not good with people. I might as well develop that part of myself. What comes as easy to you as falling off a log is how you should make your living. And if you can make that switch and begin to shape your life around what you're already good at, that's one of the first ways of making these symptoms almost irrelevant. Mm. Uh, in your book, you actually have a, a number of inspirational stories of people who uh, have adult ADD, but uh, obviously went on to do quite well. For example, um, the founder of Kinko's, Paul uh, Orfong. 
oh, you know, he's one of the best. Most of these people that are very successful were terrible students. And I think that's what makes it inspirational. And it was Paul Orfalia who really said this over and over again. He says, you only have to be really good at some things and not good at everything. You know, for example, he doesn't hardly read. You know, I had several interviews with him. He's such a charming man. But, you know, he doesn't even get email. And he said, well, that's what my secretaries do. But he was successful in part, you know, he couldn't sit still. And so he would go get in his car and drive around to all the kinkos. So he saw with his own eyes what was needed at each store. And so he made decisions based on a real live time view of what was happening in the stores rather than as some executive just reading reports. Uh, I'm curious if any of the other stories really has caught your attention. Oh, so many of them. You know, one of the ones that really pulls on my heartstrings is that many firemen, actually, and it makes perfect sense when you think about it, struggled terribly in school, but have gone on to save lives. And one of the firemen that I interviewed, he said, risk a little, save a little, risk a lot, save a life. And these are people who, when we think of ADHD, they're impulsive. You know, when they see a fire building on fire, they don't run away or pick up the phone. You know, they know that they have to start thinking and planning and how are we going to save lives here. And interestingly, they become clearer thinkers in the face of an emergency. And there's something about that, and that's very consistent with ADD. They're stimulation-seeking. That's one of the main underlying traits. These are people who are always seeking stimulation. That's why they get in trouble. They can't sit still in school. But think about how valuable that would be in any emergency or crisis situation. So really uh, just channeling their energy into something very positive and, and worthwhile. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious, this is a very interesting feature of, there's sort of a movement in psychology towards positive psychology. Do you see that as being sort of a general movement towards focusing less on the negative aspects of conditions and more on the positive? Absolutely. You know, I can't say that this was, you know, so much a um, spin-off of positive psychology because this really came from my direct experience both in the classroom and as a psychologist, you know, seeing these people in the consulting room. But I will say that when you reflect back the positives to someone, and, and all of us know this in our own personal experience, you know, someone who sees the good in you, you're going to be highly motivated to cooperate with that person, and we're going to live up to people's high expectations of us. So when we go around, there are consequences when you tell people you have a deficit disorder. We know that it has negative consequences. And so the very label itself can create problems. And by the same token, just reflecting back the gifts, just giving people, hey, here's a list of gifts that you have, even if you're not doing well in school, has positive impacts. It's Not only is it descriptive, it's an intervention in itself. It's helpful to people. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious, what are the most frequent questions you get regarding ADD? Well, I think the one thing that people ask me a lot is always about the medication because people are both very concerned about it and also so in some cases with adults, they have heard down the line that there are universal performance answers and want to know how to get them. So it's very controversial. And my position on that is that if there's a, and I'll speak to the adult part since that's what this book is about, that if your life is spinning out of control and, and you do have a solid diagnosis, that that's reasonable to take the medication out there that can help you get your back, get your life back on track. I do have concerns because some people may use the medication to make their life run a little more smoothly rather than making the life changes. So, for example, let's say the fireman had gone and gotten a job, you know, in a Fortune 500 company at a desk. Well, he might have said, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't concentrate. I need to take medication. What if he would have done some soul searching or got some coaching and said, you know, I've always wanted to be a fireman. I want to work outdoors. I want to have adventure. I want to have excitement. He would have changed his life. 
And so those are some of the concerns that I have in addition to the side effects. And we know that for, especially for adults, these medications can be addictive. But that's the number one question I get is almost always about the medication. It's definitely a hot spot, a very controversial issue today. Mm. Maybe perhaps uh, too much of a simplistic treating the symptom rather than the cause of a lot of the angst in people's lives. Well, yeah, and I just think there's also this deeper idea, which is that it is a difference, but do we really have to say that every difference is a disorder? And maybe it's more about when we're adults, finding that thing that we're really good at. You know, for example, as I say, if you can't pay attention many times because you are inventive and you have an imagination and you're innovative, well, there's so many careers, especially in this new culture, where we need that. And, you know, an interesting story in the book is that, you know, the Wall Street Journal did a story on my first book, The Gift of ADHD, and the writer of that had said that his editor had asked him to do this article about, and it was called, um, What If Einstein Had Taken Ritalin? Because he was concerned, the editor was, that journalists, for example, seemed to have all the traits and symptoms of ADD. Because if you think about it, a journalist, they are new stories every week, and they don't have a very structured thing. They, you know, have to get contact people, but they don't necessarily have to work nine to five. And it's a good match for ADD. And he wondered, well, what if the medication comes along and all these people that would have been journalists because it was such a good fit go on to be something else? Mm. Well, uh, isn't part of this also maybe nurturing that with children who, of course, are diagnosed with ADD and uh, promoting it as not a disorder, but rather something that they can cultivate for future life? Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, even in the recent Olympics, Michael Phelps, who won so many gold medals, he had been diagnosed and medicated as a child for ADHD. And if you think about it in retrospect, and you see here's, you know, one of the greatest athletes ever, and of course he couldn't sit still in a classroom. And so for me, it's about teachers and parents looking and saying, okay, Let's stop asking what this child can't do, and let's look at what they can do and what they're already doing well, and imagine those things that they're already doing well into their future and support them in that, and of course help them to patch up their weaknesses. I'm curious, how did you actually become interested in this topic? Well, in part through my uh, professional training, but, you know, I grew up with a brother who was diagnosed with ADD 30 years ago Mm. before this was a popular diagnosis. I mean, this is almost a fad in in today's day and age. And then also through his experience, I later went on to get a diagnosis myself. And I just thought that seeing it in the classroom and also in the consulting room, um, it just became clear to me that many of the students who had the diagnosis were the ones who were contributing to knowledge, you know, the straight A students tended to say, you know, what's on the test on Thursday, where the ADD students were more interested in challenging knowledge or developing new ideas or coming up with new applications of the things that we were learning. And it was clear to me and seeing it in people around me that it had many gifts to offer. Uh, We are only slightly out of time, uh, though, but I'm curious if you have maybe some final words on the gift of adult ADD. Well, I think the main thing that I would really like for anyone, and and even if you don't have ADD, you can benefit from this idea, is that we are raised to figure out what's wrong with us and to patch up those weaknesses. And what I'm asking people to do, especially with ADD, but for anyone, is to say, what am I really good at? What comes easy to me? And to build a life strengthening those rather than patching up our weaknesses. Very good words of advice. book is called The Gift of Adult ADD, How to Transform Your Challenges and Build on Your Strengths. Uh, Dr. Honus Webb, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Oh, thank you so much. It was fun. And you were just listening to Dr. Laura Honus Webb discussing The Gift of Adult ADD. 
This is the Grok Science Show you're listening to. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000 and the world-famous Question of the Week. So stay tuned. Well, bless my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. My hand is shaky and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Who do you think of when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. I'm all shook up. All right, ready to play the game. It is the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, pay attention or just forget about him. <laughs> so for uh, the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if we should pay attention to them or just forget about them, and maybe a little right reason why. Uh, Dr. Honus Webb, you ready to play the game? Sure, let's go. Okay, here we go. Person number one, pay attention or just forget about him, Brittany Spears. Uh, well, pay attention because she is a testament to parents who, uh, what can go wrong when parents try to use their children to fulfill their own needs, whether it be financial needs or their ego needs. She is someone to pay attention to for what not to do as a parent. <laughs> Certainly that. <laughs> uh, number two is the talk show host, Jerry Springer. Oh, forget about him. The things that he does on his talk show are just people who want to feel better about themselves by seeing other people who are worse off. We don't need more of that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, number three is uh, the fitness guru, Richard Simmons. Oh, let's pay attention to him because with a obesity epidemic, he if he just catches your attention, even though he's silly, any little place, any person he can help, we need it now. <laughs> he's certainly high energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, number four is uh, the uh, Apple founder, Steve Jobs. Yeah, let's pay attention to him. I love all the new products coming out of Apple, and I think that, as I said, innovation and inventiveness are going to be the coin of the realm in the future, so we need people who are egging people on to be more and more inventive. Uh, certainly true. Uh, and finally, it's uh, number five, the outgoing, soon-to-be former president of the United States, George Bush. Well, I think we should pay attention to him in the sense that, again, he is a cautionary tale. And he was, I think, a person who surrounded himself with yes men. And I think that's always a mistake. So he's a cautionary tale. So pay attention. You always need someone in your life who is going to call you to the carpet. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Dr. Webb, I want to thank you very much for uh, sticking around, playing the game. And, of course, again, talking about your book, which is The Gift of Adult ADD, How to Transform Your Challenges and Build on Your Strengths. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Charles. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Groks, you can email us at groks at hotmail.com. For Grok Science Show, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. <laughs>